Hey, this is Ryan and Victoria Cole. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's episode. This is Needed Conversations, and this week has been very special. This is our fourth day doing this. We've been going live at night on our um, Instagram page at More Most Forever. If you're not following us on that Instagram, you definitely should because it's packed full of wisdom, tips, and a little bit of humor, too. Yeah, we like to be funny. <laughs> Very funny. At least I think so. Um, well, we're funny for each other, so hopefully somebody <laughs> finds At least funny. we get a laugh out of it. And other people get a laugh because they tell us, unless they're just, you know, blowing smoke. But nevertheless, we've been talking about communication in marriage and tonight we're giving you eight keys for effective communication in marriage so stay tuned this is from the live that we did tonight and i'm saying tonight you may be listening to this in the morning or the afternoon but this is going to be some good information hey and before we do that make sure if you're not already partnering with us do that go to moremostforever.com and become a financial partner of our ministry where we're helping to rebuild families, enrich marriages, and bring us back to the heart of what God designed marriage to be. So go to moremostforever.com and become a partner. Give today financially and support our ministry. Let's go to the conversation. Hello to those who are joining. If you're married, if you're single, this is going to be great information for you. We do marriage and dating coaching And so we're going to be talking about marriage communication tonight. So don't swipe off. Stay right here. We're only going to be on for just a little bit, and you're going to get some amazing wisdom for your marriage or your future marriage. So I'm glad you've joined us. Let us know you're on here. I'm seeing some of you comment that you're so excited. Hello. Let us know that you're on and what your marital status is. Are you married or are you single? Oh, wow. Married Somebody and just, just had, had a date, date night. night. That's well, awesome. <laughs> Hopefully you're ending your night on a good note. Uh, and this is definitely a good thing to partake in, um, especially if you get, both can watch this at the same time. Marriage enrichment is so important. Um, I think we get so caught up with the dating process and being infatuated. Um, and we don't invest a lot into what's going to come afterwards. And uh, we have to be very intentional to pursue our spouse, um, even years down the line. Um, the reason it gets stagnant is because there's no pursuit and we lose that admiration for one another and that respect that we've talked about for these past few nights. Ryan hopped on and talked to the men about the power of a man's word. And then I hopped on by myself and talked to the females about, uh, the power of our words and the things that we can improve on when it comes to communicating with our spouse so that he feels um, our husband feels uplifted and encouraged, um, you know, and um, you can have a successful marriage. There's um, successful marriage doesn't come without arguments. Um, there's always going to be tension, but that tension is good. And we want to tell you how to communicate in such a way where it's proactive and not reactive. So that's kind of what we've been talking about these past few nights. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, and all those are on here. They're also on our podcast. It's called Needed Conversations. You can look that up and subscribe whenever this is over with. But um, it says, should your spouse, this is a good question before we jump into the conversation, should your spouse or your kids come first? I have to preface this because um, it depends what stage your children are in. Um, I know personally for me as a parent, I'm not saying a spouse should not go first. I think a spouse definitely should come first. But I would preface that with saying that when uh, your child 
is just born as an infant, um, there has to be a lot of um, partnership that comes into play. And your attention as a mom um, is really at least for a good six months, six to a, six months to a year. Um, it's actually paused here. Okay, we're back. <laughs> um, six months to a year, your child is really in need of you. Um, and you may be sleep deprived or you're struggling with nursing or you're just trying to figure out your baby. And um, it can feel like you're putting your child first. And uh, it, technically you are. But I think as your child grows, you want to make sure that you establish that, you know, as long as your mom and dad have a great relationship, then it trickles down to your children as well. Because listen, your children will grow up and you will be empty nesters and you will turn around one day and you will look at the person and you're not going to know who this person is because you were not intentional in pursuing that spouse. Um, I think children want to see that you love your spouse. And whenever they see that, I know every time that I hug Ryan or Ryan hugs me or kisses me, my son goes, that's my woman or they want to be sandwiched right in between. So it's not in a matter of that you're not going to take your children and you're always going to serve your husband, but I think it's a collaborative effort, but you want to let your children know that um, this is our partnership. We have created you, but um, we are going to respect um, our spouse and put them first so that our children can see a thriving marriage because that's what we're passing down. We're passing this legacy down to our children as well. Yeah, I think that you're no good for your children if your marriage is falling apart. And so I think that you have to put a priority on your relationship. And that's going to affect how your kids see you guys, but also preparing them for their future marriages so that they know how that they should expect to be treated and to treat their spouse as well. I also, hold on, give me a second. I also want to preface this too. Uh, the fact that a lot of times we will use children as a um, cop-out method. So if we're struggling in our marriage, we're looking for the next. So we're going to have children just because we're struggling in our marriage, and we're going to direct all of our focus in that. That's a red flag. You need to check yourself, and you guys need to get back into communicating together because you're going to continue to distance yourself from one another. Yeah, children are not the cure for a bad marriage. Exactly. Most couples think that when their marriage grows stagnant, oh, we just need to go to the next phase. And that is not going to solve it. Your children can't bear the weight and the pressure of your marriage. You should never put that on them. And then as it relates to this topic of communication, every seasonal shift that you go through, and having children is one of those seasonal shifts, where your relationship dynamic changes. You grow as individuals. You're different now that you're parents and you've experienced that and your responsibility shifts. And that, you know, having children is just one of those instances. But whenever you are thrust into those seasons, you almost have to start over in a sense that you have to relearn your spouse and enroll in the university of your spouse and start pursuing them again, pursuing knowledge because. Everything could change. Their preferences could change. Their priorities could change. Their favorite color could change. Their favorite food, the tastes could change. I know, you know, for me, interestingly enough, just having COVID a couple years ago and when my taste buds changed, like literally whenever, when my taste buds came back, stuff did not taste exactly the way that they did before. That changed me as a person. My favorite foods are no longer are my favorite foods. Um, and that's just an example, you know, and 
that affects how we cook. And you don't think that those little things matter, but they do. And children is one of those. And your needs change. Too. Your needs change once you mm-hmm. have children. Um, they change everything. Children are the greatest blessing, but they are also a, 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 a lot of responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. You're stewarding the life of another human being. And, and so, yeah, that's a great question. And you have to learn to communicate intentionally, meaning setting aside time where you are talking with your spouse undistracted, whether that's once the kids go to bed. And even if it's like 10 or 15 minutes and what we have, have done is we, we encourage couples to establish a table in the middle of your house. And even if you have like a one bedroom apartment, get you a little coffee table and that coffee table becomes a sacred place. In the Bible, a table represented the altar. And so they had a table in the tabernacle. And so a table was another form of an altar. And we know what happens at a table, life, giving conversations, discipleship, breaking bread, fellowship, culture is developed at the table. So call the table in your home, a sacred space and put a journal there and let it be a place where you come and, and write, you know, your thoughts or, or whatever. And then maybe your spouse can read it and then be intentional about at least once a week saying we're going to sit down at the table, putting away the phones and we're going to have intentional conversation. We're going to pray together and we're going to address whatever things are bothering us or, you know, we're going to look towards the future and start dreaming together again. So, um, We're going to talk through, this is going to be very practical, eight things to help you communicate more effectively with your spouse. And before we do that, we offer a wide range of resources. You see this book down here at the bottom. That's one of our marriage resources that you can purchase. We've got a book on sex. We've got some courses. And we have a workshop coming up in Greenville, South Carolina called Marriage with a Mission. And you can go and enroll in that workshop. Meet us here by going to moremostforever.com. More most forever. That's kind of a phrase we said to one another. I love you more. She would say, I love you most. And then we would say, I love you forever. And so that's kind of the the marriage uh, ministry that we've developed off of that. A three-phase approach to dating and marriage. Um, And really, it comes down to communication, intentionality. Everything in your marriage uh, rises and falls on communication. So where does good communication begin? I think that it begins in establishing a healthy prayer life, that each of you as individuals talk with God and you have a personal relationship with him. And talking with God um, more often will help you communicate more effectively with your spouse because God's gonna gonna shape your heart and mold your heart and turn it towards them and give you an insider's look as to their perspective and you know what they're dealing with, even if if they don't have the words to express it to you. Prayer will give you the upper hand um, in marriage. It'll help you to um, communicate more effectively, but it's not just about going to prayer in prayer to complain about all of the things that your spouse is doing wrong. Um, But it's, it's you having the opportunity to ask God to help you understand your spouse more and to give you wisdom. Yeah, that's really good. 
What's number two? Uh, number two is talk to them and not at them. Uh, one of the talk things, to them and not at them. Yes, and one of the things that we have said in the lives is you want to listen to understand and not listen to respond. And that was one of the statements that we kind of carried throughout these lives as well. And that really helps you to kind of uh, step back and not filter the words that they're saying so that you can start preparing what's next you're going to throw at them. Because remember, you are on the same team. You're not fighting against one another. You're fighting for one another. Um, and, of course, you know, with differences and different perceptions and different uh, lenses that you were brought up with, you have to try to mesh those things together. And especially at the beginning of a marriage, I think that could be a very big challenge because you're trying to figure out what each person, like, say, what each person is saying, um, what certain words mean to them, certain triggers and all kinds of things. So you want to keep all those things in mind so that you are talking to them and not at them. Yeah, and I think what this has to do with is we oftentimes suppress what we're feeling and then it builds up with a lot of anger. And then whenever we do get around to communicating with our spouses, we are really just shouting at one another. Even if you're not raising your voice, you're just you know listing demands or complaints and uh, a mature relationship, you learn to be more restrained and very strategic about what you address when. And, and we've said this before, that timing is everything. If your spouse gets off of work, they come in the door five minutes later, you're already complaining about something or bringing something up. Let them come into a clear frame of mind before you push into that. And, you know, um, I, I hear you. You use your husband as a punching bag. And sometimes we do. I mean, sometimes we, we have frustrations that build up and they come out. And that's why we have grace for one another. And sometimes we need to let our spouses vent, especially if they have been offended by something. And instead of being all defensive about something that she brings to me, I'll just sit back and try to listen to her the best that I can. Because the times when I start to defend myself or try to make an excuse for whatever behavior, you know, offended her, then it, it just leads to a circular conversation where then she becomes even more offended than I'm offended because then she starts getting personal. And, and so it, it's best just to sit and listen sometimes. But when you're talking with them, make sure you're talking to them and not at them because we can talk over each other's heads you know, just complaining. We have to be learn. We have to be well restrained and strategic about what and how much you bring up in one sitting. You should listen to your spouse's perspective instead of looking for the response that you think is appropriate. Right. So many times we frame our conversations and our questions in such a way to corner our spouse into a place where they're giving us the response that you know, we think uh, is appropriate and that, that we deserve, you know. And so we want to give our spouse the space to freely express themselves and the way that they are truly feeling in this situation. That's a no-judgment zone. When you come to the table, when you have a conversation, it has to be a no-judgment zone because you're both going to be transparent. You're gonna both going to be standing there naked and unashamed. And it's not always going to be pretty. Yeah, you know? and sometimes you don't have to offer a solution to everything. You know, I think one of the things that we've kind of learned in our marriage, um, don't right away jump to try to help them figure out the solution to whatever problem that they're dealing with. 
like Ryan Unless said, you're the problem. <laughs> well, yeah. But uh, just allow them to speak those things, you know, and then give it some time before if they ask for help, you know, or your advice on certain things, that's when you can jump in to do it. Sometimes we just need to vent and express how we're feeling about certain situations. So we're not necessarily looking for a solution, um, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. So learn to talk to them and not at them. And and also what goes along with this is choosing the time when you bring up certain conversations. That's choosing your battles, right? And if you've got three or four things that are bothering you, instead of mixing them all together, which women tend to do a lot. Um, I don't mean to be offensive, but I do mean to be offensive. Woman. He's like, women. Women. They tend to take all of the issues and it's one conglomeration of a problem that they throw out. Instead, try to segment your your challenges and address them one at a time. Now, I know that's hard sometimes if there are connections to all of it, right? Because there are roots. But if you're talking about finances, just talk about finances. If not, and you said, wow, you just judged all women. Uh, My apologies. I think that... Men are, are, I'm an equal opportunity offender, so I'm not just picking on the women. But I think that that oftentimes women, it's just how the male brain works and the female brain. We have um, a, a colleague of ours, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who talks about the male and female brain, and there are differences. And, and it's not uh, in the conclusions that we come to, but the journey that gets us there, right, and how we approach it. And men tend to segment things, compartmentalize, which means that they're less in tune with their emotions, which isn't always good for a woman. Whereas a woman, though, she tends to, you know, pull everything into one category. But <laughs> thanks for your forgiveness. The next, um, the next uh, uh, point, uh, number three, is let go of the myth of mind reading. You know, we all kind of subconsciously believe that our spouses can read our mind, but we can't expect our spouse to know what we're thinking or feeling. We have to explicitly express it. In addition, don't assume that you know what they are thinking. Assumptions only lead to misunderstanding. Now, this is a little brash statement that I always say. Assumption only makes an ASS of you and me assume. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means we both look dumb because we are both arrogant and thinking we know how your mind works 100 percent. Now, you might know your spouse to a certain degree and can anticipate certain things. Right. But you got to give them the space and the liberty to express it themselves and then also give them the benefit that they might have changed and they might not be the person that they were 10 years ago and think the way that they did when they were 20 years old and now they're 30. They're going to be different. You can't expect them to mind read and you can't be arrogant and assume that you know what they think. Yeah, I mean, if you set yourself up for, you know, making like thinking that Assuming in a marriage is going to get you somewhere, you're, you're going to really be disappointed because you're going to start having these arguments and they're going to escalate because, as we said before, uh, in marriage, we have to wrestle and uh, assumptions will kind of shut you off and I think will cause you to like close within yourself and start having these negative thoughts, will, which will eventually 
come out of your mouth. You'll start saying certain things because you didn't clarify, because you didn't have those moments of wrestling with one another and saying, do you mean this or do you mean that? Then um, that's the plan of the enemy is to really cause you guys to go back into your corners and to close within yourself and then start confiding in other people uh, rather than your spouse. And that's where it's going to lead you guys to, um, uh, you know, going separate paths. Yeah. And I think that when you assume, you know, the way that your spouse is going to respond, um, then it's like a self-fulfilled prophecy. You're going to get what you expect. Like you go into the argument, you go into the conversation thinking, oh, they're going to act like this. This is how they're going to respond. Oh, they always respond like that. Or they always do this. And you put like a, a, a bullet point fine period at the end of your belief about who your spouse is and what they could become. And maybe there are some cycles. Maybe there are some patterns. But you believing that is not helping you, right? It would be better for you to believe every single time that things could be different and could change. I'm not I'm not saying to play a fool, right? Know when you need counseling and and if if you're in a narcissistic or abusive relationship, know when to leave in those instances. But, you know, in in marriage, there are going to be some tough conversations and it's and going to feel like you're going around the same mountain over and over again. But you got to have that positive outlook that I believe that this marriage can be something great, you know? Yeah, and I guess I got ahead of myself because point number four is listen to hear and not respond. And I'm just going to read this point. When you're listening to respond, you undermine your ability to actually learn about your spouse's perspective. You only want to defend yourself, and you're combining their words to look for ammunition. Resist the Combing ur- their words. You're combing their I'm words. I'm sorry, combing their words to look for ammunition. Resist this urge and instead pay close attention to what they are trying to tell you. Yeah, and intimacy in marriage means that you give your spouse through intimate knowledge of your struggle, your pain, your past, you're giving your spouse weapons that in a healthy marriage they'll use to fight for you, but in a dysfunctional marriage they'll use to fight against you. Mm-hmm. And so when you are listening uh, to hear instead of just to respond, then you have put aside all of your preconceived notions like we discussed, and you are listening from an unbiased, unconditional place, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, love always trusts. Love is patient, kind, but that love always trusts. And it's not like, I, I don't. I think people get it confused, like trust meaning, you know, they betrayed me and so I should give them 100% benefit of the doubt. I don't think that that's necessarily it. I think that you definitely have to use wisdom. But I think love always trusts the process. And love always trusts that things could be different. That there's a sense of hope always that God, through his Holy Spirit, can do a work inside of your spouse and inside of you and make the marriage um, fulfilling and lasting and satisfying. So... And that's just a slight nuance in how you listen, because listening to respond, meaning that you're sitting looking for little uh, poignant words that you can use as ammunition to throw back at them, because you're in it to win the argument. You're not in it to win in marriage. You're not in it to win over the heart of your spouse. You're in it to get the upper hand and say, I told you so. The next one is, 
offset the negativity. And this can be hard, especially if you have a lot of bitterness built up. But if all your communication with your spouse throughout all of the day, every single day, is negative, that is a problem. We're not saying that you should ignore the issues, but you have to make sure that you're also affirming your spouses during the downtime and that as much as you can, you're complimenting them. In as much as you're criticizing them, you have to compliment them. You have to be intentional about uh, making positive declarations about who you believe that they could become. And this is, also goes back to the prayer point, right? You know, I, I think it's really hard to pray for someone that you have unforgiveness about. And so if you got that unforgiveness and bitterness, take it to the Lord. Don't just complain. Begin to pray the scriptures over your spouse and speak into their life and declare that this is who they will become. The man or the woman of God will rise in them and they will become the spouse that I need, you know, while the, as the Holy Spirit works on them. And so let go of the negativity. Everything doesn't have to be negative. And make your home an environment of peace Mm -hmm. to where you can have productive conversations. Yeah, and I think friendship. um, Friendship is very important. Like finding something common that you guys enjoy doing so that instead of constantly when you guys get together, it's always a conversation about the problems that you guys face. But finding things that you guys both enjoy and do them without having to talk about the negative stuff all the time. I think friendship is very important in a marriage um, where, you know, you will have those disputes, you will have those arguments, but you'll also have those good moments, those good memories that you built together. Um, And I feel like that a lot of people get into negativity negativity because they stop spending the time together. They're, they stop going on dates. It's so good. They stop pursuing one another. And so now I have to nitpick everything because I'm not happy. Um, so friendship is very important to get you out of that place. And that lets me know, too, that you, like you said, are just not spending enough time together because all your conversations with your spouse are so heavy. Every conversation doesn't have to be so heavy and dramatic, like ease up on one another, learn to laugh together, talk about your favorite show, etc. Um, and you know, start a hobby together, go for a hike, talk about something other than all of the negativity. Yes, you need to address those things, but balance that out with some playful conversations. I mean, talk about sex, talk about stuff that you like or enjoy. Um, you know, so, Hey, and at the end of this, we're going to be answering your questions and anybody who wants to jump on to ask as well. Um, you can send an invitation and we'll let you jump in. Um, we're going to answer your questions at the end. Um, I think you, you got this one, Victoria. Yeah. What is this point? Is this number, number six? six, number six is learning their love language. And I think that this is where that friendship will tie in. I think when you uh, want to be friends with somebody, you really, you know, want to, um, you know, have a a good relationship with them. You're going to discover what they like, what they don't like, you know, some of the secrets that you know, uh, you want to make sure that you're that safe place. And so learning what your spouse's love language um, will help you build that friendship too. Like for me, I am uh, an acts of service person and Ryan is a words of affirmation. So I could be naturally giving uh, you know, my love language, what I, lo- the way I love to be loved, but he, it could be flying over his head. So I have to be intentional not to be selfish, even though I'm doing a good thing. 
Um, I have to be intentional and say, this is how he feels loved. So affirming him, giving him some, you know, words of encouragement and uplifting him. That's the way he's going to feel like I am loving. And the same thing with him. Like if he washes the dishes or he takes care of the kids or he does certain things around the house, um, I feel loved. I feel valued. So um, helping you kind of, you know, build that relationship by, you know, really honing into what their love language is and uh, intentionally doing it every single day is also going to take you out of that negative place. The best way to a person's heart is through serving them. And I think when you step into a marriage, it's a life of serving. It's a life of serving for one another. It's not about what you can take for yourself, but it's what you can give because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's truly an honor. So um, keep that in mind. So um, just a little story. My wife is Ukrainian. And so we've had you know, family members that have come here because of the Ukrainian crisis and everything. Um, actually, within the last couple of weeks, her aunt, her cousin, um, her her cousin's spouse, and they have three kids. So, you know, we went over there on, I think it was Sunday, and our daughter is five years old, and they have a little girl that's four years old. And so the kids are playing and I'm just sitting there observing them. And our kids know a little bit of Russian, but not not much, not to carry a big conversation. You know, they speak to their grandma a little bit. Um, but I could see them playing. And both of them wanted to play a tea party so bad. They were sitting there playing the little tea party. They understood that we're at a tea party. And they both had their little cups. But they both kept talking at one another and getting frustrated and screaming not really screaming, but they kept getting louder. And you could tell it like in their body language that they were frustrated that they couldn't get over that language gap. And, and I know they'll eventually learn to communicate, but you know, I chuckled a little bit because just how we, they think, Oh, we don't speak the same language. So raising our voice is going to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And that's so how we do in marriage. Like we're not speaking the same language. We don't have the same context. You don't know my love language, or you think you do, but you're not showing me. You're not speaking my language and vice versa. And we're just raising the volume, but not really talking eye to eye, understanding one another. And so it's important to learn the language that your spouse is speaking, the love language, how they communicate. And number seven here is remove the distractions. I talked about this a little bit earlier with putting a table in the center of your home, whether that's your dining room table or a coffee table. And whenever you come to that table, it's an undistracted place. And then also find a way to occupy your kids. Give them a movie or something for 30 minutes or whatever and take time to, you know, talk with your spouse. Go on date nights. Um, and number eight, I, I think this is really important, especially if, going back to the negativity uh, part of this conversation, if all of your conversations um, escalate into screaming matches or, you know, crying and anger and pain, you've got to address that anger at the root because it's not just your spouse that's triggering that anger. There's something deeper there that is unaddressed. And if you're screaming at one another, there are two reasons why. Number one, neither of you feels heard or seen. You may be speaking about the same topic, but you don't understand from their context. Just like I said, 
with our two little girls and uh, my my daughter's cousin. She only speaks Russian and my daughter only speaks English. And elevating your voice doesn't change the fact that you're not speaking the same language. And secondly, there may be some unresolved pain from your past that needs to be addressed. You may need counseling to uncover the root of your pain and communicate it to your spouse with someone else present to feel more comfortable or to feel more heard or advocated for. And you know what? Uh, it's not uncommon for there to, to be secrets in marriage, things that are so painful in your past that you tried to block out, whether that be molestation, rape, abuse in your past, bad relationships from before, um, uh, you know, fear, fear, mm-hmm. uh, pregnancies that ended and you never told your spouse that you were pregnant before and, and had a miscarriage with someone else or, you know, there could be so many things that, that you, you hide from your spouse. And it's important to get that out in the open. And really once it's out in the open and you're transparent, a lot of the stuff starts making sense. Like you, I understand now why they are this way or, you know, why they respond to me when I touch them in this way. And and so if you're not open and honest about those things, you're only going to have conversations that lead to more anger and more resentment and more bitterness. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah. Any Any final words in this topic? I want you guys to ask your questions. Any Any final comments about this? Yeah, like Ryan said, just being either open with your spouse or if it's not something that you can address with your spouse just yet, finding somebody that you can open up to and talk through those process, through whatever pain you're experiencing. But eventually your spouse needs to know because I think uh, as long as they don't know, they will probably um, not, not intentionally hurt you with the words or their actions because they don't know that you have went through that. So there are certain trigger points that you may have may be experiencing because of your pain. And if you're not open and honest with your spouse, then they're probably not going to have the grace for you because they just don't know that those are the things that are hurting you. So make sure that you're open uh, with your spouse um, about your past. And um, that will increase your intimacy, which, you know, will translate to, um, uh, a good friendship where you guys will have those meaningful conversations instead of constantly having those arguments and uh, negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone asked, what about if your husband wants you to follow him in sin, like bars and drinking, strip clubs? Um, that's very unfortunate. Um, I think that you have to maintain your values and communicate those values It sounds like those values weren't adequately communicated in the dating process. And now you're at at odds, right? Because they have a certain set of beliefs. Maybe they even say that they're Christian. I think you're the one who mentioned that you are a Christian. They may even say that they're a Christian, but that doesn't mean they have the same values as you. You would think that they would. You got to have a lot of patience and grace, but let them know that, you know, I'm not going to participate in this, but this is what I will do with you. And be intentional about doing those activities together as much as they are willing. And then let them know if some of those activities that they're participating in hurt you, offend you, make you feel insecure in the relationship. And, um, you know, pray for them. You know, I, I'm, I think one thing that stands out about our marriage ministry is that we're spirit filled. And so we believe in the power of the supernatural. And, you know, if your husband goes out to the bar, 
while he's gone, you know, take some olive oil uh, like the Bible shows and take it and anoint his side of the bed. Like literally, you know, dab a little bit on the back side of his pillow or underneath the mattress or something and just pray. And, you know, the other thing that you can do is, um, you know, if he, he's gone, give him something to look forward to when he gets back. Um, not that, that, you know, you always have to give your spouse a reason to come home or be home and do what they should be doing. But, you know, plan in advance um, ways that you, when he's home, you know, that he feels your intentional love and effort, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, in the relationship. Good. But any other questions that we have? Anybody want to join in the conversation and ask those questions? This has been a good um, several nights. This is our fourth night doing this. So we have all of these live videos. And if you've never listened to our podcast, you can look us up. It's called Needed Conversations. And that's exactly what the podcast is about. It's about having all of those needed conversations that are often ignored or swept under the rug. So we've got over, uh, about 100 episodes uh, talking about everything from parenting to um Sex, communication, what are some of the things that we've covered? Dating, single life, you know. Everything. Everything. So all of the resources are there. If you haven't already, pick up our book, I Love You More, Most and Forever. It's down here at the bottom. We've got other resources and a workshop coming up April 30th in Greenville, South Carolina. Would love for you to attend. Um, Go to moremostforever.com. Click on that banner that says Marriage with a Mission. That workshop is April 30th, and it's very inexpensive. It's just $50 for both of you to attend. It's one day, and we're going to give you a workbook to help you write a vision with your spouse, a vision for your life, and we're going to help you ask all of the right questions about sex, money, parenting, all of the good stuff. So, You're going to walk out of there with the tools that you need to build a healthy and lasting marriage. Moremostforever.com. So glad you guys joined us tonight and we'll be on again maybe next week and continue these conversations. As always, you can DM us. Actually, if you want more information about that marriage with a mission, just comment now the word mission or send us a DM. Just type the word mission. Again, this is more most forever. We are a marriage ministry and it's been great having these conversations with you this week. We'll see you guys next time.